Thank you for checking out the City Church Podcast today. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know you are loved. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you. Come on. Awesome. So glad you guys are here. Like Ellen and Julianne said, my name is Tyler, and I have the privilege of being the youth pastor here along with my amazing perfect best wife ever, Jane. And uh, yeah, give it up for Jane. <laughs> I would be nothing without her and Jesus. So um, no, we, uh, we love it. We love getting to pastor high school students. I am glad that Ellen and Julianne aren't in City Youth. I don't know how I would pastor them. Uh, I would need a whole lot extra prayer, but that's okay. Um, just kidding. We're having fun in church. I love it. Awesome. So I am so excited to be able to preach and share with you guys. I want to turn to the book of John, Gospel of John. John is a guy from a long time ago, and he wrote an account of the story of Jesus. He's one of the four guys that did it um, that we have in our Bible here. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So this is him. I'm really excited to share. I think this is going to help you. Um, it's on my heart. I believe that God gave it to me to be able to share with you guys, and I think it'll help. So if you have your iPhone, or uh, if you have another phone, you can go to a different church down the road. Um, or if you have your old-school leather-bound Bible, you can open it up to John chapter 4. We're going to go to verse 46, okay? You guys ready? Oh, come on. You ready? Yeah. Okay, here we go. Verse 46. So he, he being Jesus, he came to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And at Capernaum there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and to heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. And the official said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. And Jesus said to him, Go, your son will live. And the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went on his way. And as he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. And he asked them the hour when he began to get better, and they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. And the father knew that that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, Your son will Live. Sometimes I like to give titles to my messages, um, and I thought of one. I want to title this message called Far From the Shallow. Anybody see A Star Is Born last year? A little pop culture reference. I'm a youth pastor, so I have to do that sometimes. Um, but Far From the Shallows. All right, let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your word. God, we believe, God, that it can change our life. God, every time we open it up, God, every single time, God, we crack it open. God, you can speak something brand new to us. God, it can change our lives. So God, for the next 30 minutes, God, we are so open to whatever you want to do. We are so ready, so excited, believing, God, that you want to speak to us. You have a word for each one of us today. So God, we're ready. We're open. We love you. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Anybody excited that summer has begun? Come on. Sunshine is out. Students, you ready to sleep in a whole bunch? That's right. Come on. That's what summer is all about. Um, I love summer. I love, love the sunshine. Uh, I'm like, I'm not just pale. I'm like transparent. So 
the sunshine is a good thing uh, for me. I love, uh, I love going swimming. Anybody like going swimming here? Who does not like going swimming? Yeah. It's about, okay. Some of you are just choosing not to participate. That's okay. It's cool. I love it. I love going swimming. Um, actually, I... Uh, so uh, I've been, you know, it's summertime, uh, so today actually will be 18 days in a row that I have done 30 minutes of cardio at the gym. I'm trying. I'm trying. I just want less of me. You know what I mean? Less of me, more of him. <laughs> I just thought of that on the spot. That's really funny. <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh. I'm so using that again. That's perfect. Um, yeah, so, I, but, you know, I want to, you know, when I go to the beach or I go to the pool, uh, I want to, you know, I want to I wanna look good. Are there any people that, you know, you don't like swimming, but you're just like laying out by the beach or laying by the pool? Like, that's me. As, again, I'm trying to get my tan on. So, uh, but yeah, I've been doing that. But I remember, um, I remember learning to swim when I was a kid. I remember that, that whole process. Um, and uh, you remember the day that, like, your parents let you go in the deep end? It was like a milestone. It was like a big deal. Um, but I remember like training up for that, you know, like I had to like only stay in the shallow end and, you know, I had to have like my water wings and my life jacket and one of those things that like floats around, you know what I mean? That little donut thing. Like my parents were extra, extra safe. Um, and so I remember I was like, probably wasn't, I was probably like eight years old. My grandparents had a pool somewhere around there when I actually got to like dive off the diving board and go swimming in the deep end. Um, Something crazy I've seen over the last couple of years, I don't know if you've seen this, but there's this whole new technique that parents are using to teach their kids how to swim. Um, and I actually have a video of it. And I just want you to watch how absolutely insane this is. And there it is. What? <laughs> so these kids don't know how to walk yet. This is what parents are doing. Highest cause. Kind of a sad fact. We'll just ignore that. This is crazy. Look how cute that kid is, though. <laughs> Throwing them right into the deep end. It's crazy. That's <laughs> <I> just... <laughs> I love it. Like, this is absolutely insane. I want to know. Um, I want to know. Oh, this one's really cute, too. Look at that. <laughs> I want to know who the person, about the person who invented this idea. Like... Here, I have a crazy idea. I know this baby can't walk, but let's just throw him in the deep end and see what happens. Like, who knows? Maybe it'll be okay. This is what they're doing, okay? I believe this. I believe that Jesus wants to move all of us from a shallow faith to a deep faith. I believe that God never intended for us as Christians to live on a surface level. To live kind of with our feet half in, half out. But that Jesus actually has in mind for us a kind of life, a kind of faith that is deep. That is significant. That moves mountains. I believe that that's what God has in mind for all of us. And this story is crazy. Or, or, or this video is crazy. Like, they just throw them right in. Have you ever felt like that? You ever felt like life is just throwing you in the deep end? Like, just left, right, and center. It just feels like you are totally drowning you're surrounded. In those moments, we need deep faith. 
In those moments, man, shallow faith will only take us so far. The Bible actually talks about how at one point, at one point we were, we were just like kids in our faith. And, and we, we ate milk and it, it, it was just, you know, it was adolescent and it was young. But there's this journey that we all have to go on as Christians called discipleship. There's this journey we all have to go on where Jesus doesn't want us to live off of milk, but he actually wants us to live off of solid food. That God actually has big things that he wants us to participate in. And those things are going to require deep faith. I love this story in the Bible because it's, it's insane to me that this man would come up to Jesus and say, Jesus, my son is sick. Jesus, I need a breakthrough right now. Jesus, I need a miracle right now. Jesus, I need you to show up because there's no other option. Jesus, I need you right now. Would you come? Jesus, come. I need you. Please, please, please. The man would beg Jesus to come, and Jesus would tell him to go, and he just left without any indication that his miracle had actually taken place. Without knowing if what Jesus said was even true. But the man believed what he said, and he went. That requires some deep faith. My question for you this morning is what in your life right now is requiring deep faith? Is it your marriage? Is it like right now your marriage is just it's on the rocks? You need some deep faith for that. Maybe it's a, a financial situation or, or, or a health situation. Man, and you, you need some deep faith to walk through that thing. Maybe it's something at your job or with your kids or with your parents or with your bot. Like, there's so many things that require deep faith. And Jesus wants to take us on a journey this morning to not just be able to kind of stumble through life, but to be able to walk confidently in faith, even when the water looks deep. That's what Jesus wants to do this morning. And can I, can I make a challenge to you too? If there's nothing in your life currently that is requiring you to walk with a deep, real, authentic, audacious, wild faith, I think we need to do some self-evaluation. Because God has called us to live lives of big faith where we can stare at mountains and say, mountain, move. That's what God wants for us. So maybe it's a good thing. Maybe you're believing, man, my marriage is going to be the best marriage in the world. Man, if you're a student, my school is going to look completely different by the power of Jesus. Man, my job right now, I have no idea how, you know, I feel like God has called me to get to the top. He's made this promise where you're going to manage people or you're going to start a business. But right now, it's just kind of in the baby phase and you don't know how it's going to get there. I promise you that if God has spoken his promise over you, that today you can walk in a deep faith and authentic faith and audacious faith and walk towards your miracle. Jesus wants to take us to a deeper level of faith. No matter where you at, I don't care if you've been a Christian for 60 years, there's a deeper level of faith. If you've been a Christian for 60 seconds, there's a deeper level of faith. This is the journey that Jesus calls us to go on. In the story, I want to point out three things, three things that, that I think will help us, that, 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 that can shed some light on what Jesus is doing. The first thing I want to talk about is the setting. The setting. It says in verse 46, sorry, 47 and 48, when this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and he asked him to come down and to heal his son. For his son was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. See, this town, you know, Galilee, he was at Cana. 
If you just get back a couple chapters in the Bible or in the book of John, this is actually the same place, the same town, where Jesus turned water into wine. And if you've ever heard the story, it's crazy. Jesus and a couple of his disciples and family members, are, they're at a, a local wedding, and it was custom, it was necessary at those weddings that there would be uh, enough wine for everybody to drink. But then the unthinkable happened literally in that day, and the wine ran out. This is like a massive deal. This is like not being able to find like, like the, the, the maid of honor, or like, like this is a big, big deal. And Jesus shows up on the scene, and he turns these massive, massive jars full of wine water into wine. And not only wine, but the, the, the father at the wedding actually says, Jesus, this is like the good stuff. And usually we wait until everybody is too drunk and then they don't care. But Jesus, you have brought out the good wine now. And Jesus does this. And it's this crazy thing because like, think about if that had happened today. I mean, BuzzFeed would be writing about it. We'd see it all over Facebook. Twitter would be trending. And this is just in a small town, right? absolutely this man had heard about it because his son is sick. Jesus shows up back in town and he realizes, oh my gosh, that's the guy I need. He did that miracle back then and I need him to do one now. But what Jesus is doing in, in this setting, in this atmosphere, in this city, is that he is actually saying to this man, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Saying that that's actually not good enough that you would only believe if you see a sign and wonder. See, what Jesus is saying is that there is a deeper level of faith for this guy. What Jesus is saying to us is that there is a deeper level of faith that he wants us to walk in, that he wants us to operate in. Your surroundings matter. The setting is important. See, this man's faith was currently limited by his location. It was limited by what the town had previously experienced, what he had previously experienced. Your surroundings matter. I would say this, your fellowship affects your faith. I would say the people that you are choosing to surround yourself with, that matters. Where's their level of faith at? In your circle of friends, where's their level of faith? In your family, what's the level of faith? In your city group, come on, where's your level of faith? We need to be a people with a high, deep level of faith. And can I just suggest this? Don't be a thermometer, be a thermostat. Like, don't let your surroundings determine your level of faith. You let your level of faith determine your surroundings. Be the one in your group to set the standard of faith. Be the one in your family to be like, I know it's hard right now, but God is going to see us through it. Be the one in your circle of friends be like, oh man, I know he broke up with you. I promise God has a plan for you. God is doing something. It shouldn't be weird to be spiritual. It shouldn't be like, I know I'm being a little spiritual right now, but maybe we should pray. No, 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 no. We need to live a life of deep faith. It should be our first response. Our surroundings, they matter. We gotta be so, so mindful of it. Be the one to set the standard. The second thing, we need to notice there's a situation. There's a setting. There's a situation. It says, in at Capernaum, there was an official, an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and he asked him to come down and to heal his son, for he was at the point of death. What's crazy about this story is that this isn't just like some regular guy. This is an official 
like back in those days, like it's not like he's like a peasant or like the lowest of the lowest. He's, the, he's an official, meaning he's connected, meaning he has access, meaning he probably has money, has connections to the royal family, has access to doctors, has access to health care. And yet the only option that he is left with is Jesus. Something about that, something about the fact that Jesus was there urged him to say, actually, I need that. I love it because he had, he had access to all of that. But I think he had a revelation that we all need to have. He didn't need an ac- access to health care. He didn't need access to people. He didn't need connection to money. All he needed was access to Jesus. And he had it. I love that song. Your presence is an open door. Man, Jesus' arms are wide open. The access that you have to Jesus, it's right there. The access to salvation is right there. The access to your miracle, to your breakthrough. The door is open. His arms are open. And Jesus is waiting for us to walk through the door. This man had access, but he, he realized he had access to Jesus. It's so good. It's so, like, what if we just went to Jesus with everything? What if we just, what if our first response was, I'm going to Jesus with it? Not I'm going to go, not I'm going to go into myself and start having anxiety. Maybe not even, like, I'm not going to even go to my spouse before I go to Jesus. Like, Jesus is option number one. We have access to Jesus this morning. The second thing about this situation is that this son is almost dead. Like, at the point of death. Again, he had all of, those, all of that access to all that stuff. This tells me that this was his last option. That his son was so close to death, and the, probably the only thing that he had left, the only thought he could think of, was, I need to go to Jesus right now. And he brought his dead son, and laid it at the feet of Jesus. He he laid his situation down. Can Can I suggest that it's never too late to bring something to the feet of Jesus? It is not too late for you. It is not too late. You are not too far gone. You have not made too many mistakes. Your marriage doesn't have to be over. Your job can get better. Your family can get better. You're going to break through that addiction. Maybe here this morning, your hope is dead. Maybe your peace feels dead. You know, you had hope or you had peace at one time in your life. But now it just feels like it's, it's just hanging on by a thread. It is not too late. It is not too late for Jesus to show up. It is not too late for you to walk through the open door, to walk through his arms and say, Jesus, I'm laying this down at your feet. I need you to show up. I have no other options, but Jesus, I'm choosing you. And I believe in faith that you are going to make something happen, that you're going to make a way where there is no way, that the breakthrough is coming. Lay everything that feels dead at the feet of Jesus. Like everything that's dead. The situation was dire. The setting felt shallow and weak. The last thing I want to talk about is the sending. I want to talk about the sending. You know, 
this morning, there's a couple of big things that I'm believing for that are going to require some deep faith. Um, I'm believing that my marriage will be the best marriage that I know of. Are we there yet? No. (laughs) But I believe that God has made me a promise that I can have the healthiest, most intimate, most beautiful marriage that I possibly know of. That's a promise that I'm holding on to. I believe that God can use the high school and junior high students of this city to literally change it. I believe that all of the high schools and junior highs can be totally flipped on its head and that God wants to reach more people and disciple more students than ever before. I believe that God has a plan for this church to be a light in the darkness of our community, that Milton, Mississauga, Brampton, Oakville, Etobicoke, the GTA and beyond can look different because a group of people from the city church of Mississauga decided that God put a promise in front of us and nothing is going to stop us from walking towards it and believing that he can do it. Nothing can stop it. That's what I'm holding on to. There was a sending though. There was a sending. There was a journey that Jesus sent this man on. Verse 48 So Jesus came to him, and he said, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. And the official said to him, sir, come. Sir, please. Please, Jesus, please, I just need you to show up. I just need you to, just please, just invade my situation. I just need you to do it now. Jesus, come. Jesus, Jesus, please come. And Jesus turns right back to him and he says, go. Your son will live. The man asked Jesus to come, but Jesus asked him to go. And the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him. And he went on his way. Band, you guys can come on up. You know, before Uber Eats, there was this crazy um, thing that restaurants did um, where you could order your food to go. So you could actually call them on the phone and be like, hey, I want some Swiss chalet because we're Christians and that's what we do on Sunday. And if you're from the States, you go to Chick-fil-A. Come on. Except they're closed on Sunday. We need to pray for that. That just needs to change in the name of Jesus. We'll all drive if it changes on Sunday after church. Go get Chick-fil-A down in Buffalo. You guys down? Road trip? In? I love it. I love it. It was crazy, though. You'd call and you'd say, I want this or I want that. And, you know, then you, they'd make your food and you'd go and pick it up. And then you'd go eat it back home. How weird would it be? If you were to call them up, hey, I want my, want my quarter chicken white, Swiss chalet sauce, and some extra crispy fries, please. I want it. And you go, and you're ready, and you pick it up. Or, or you go, and you show up, and they send you home without your food. And you're like, great, it's exactly what I wanted. That would be strange. But this guy shows up, says, Jesus, I need a miracle. I want a miracle right now. And Jesus says, Okay. Go home. If it were me, I'd be like, but like, how do I, Jesus, how do I know if like, 
it's actually going to happen. Like, how do I know that, like, that's enough? Jesus, like, I don't, what do you mean? Like, I wanted you to come, but you're sending me to go? Do you, I don't, that doesn't make sense to me, Jesus. I don't get it, Jesus. But this man had deep faith. John chapter 20, verse 29. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. The man asked Jesus to come, but Jesus told him to go. And the man went. And if you look at it, it looks like he embarked on a 17-mile journey back home. Didn't have cars, so he either had to walk or he had to ride a horse or a camel. I don't totally know, but he, it was a long time back home. But he goes back on his journey, not knowing if what had actually, what Jesus had actually said had even taken place. I found that most of my life and most of life takes place in the gap between when Jesus speaks and tells us that he's going to come through for us, that the healing is on its way, that your marriage is going to be okay, that your dream that I put in your heart is going to come true, that your child who has walked away from me, that they are going to come home and back to me one day. Most of our life is spent here here and the actual fulfillment of the promise but the deep level of faith suggests that between here and here we keep moving forward we keep moving we keep pressing on what if you've been asking Jesus to come into your situation? Jesus, I need you to show up in my life. Jesus, I need you to show up in this addiction. Jesus, I need you to show up in this relationship. Jesus, I need you to show up in my school. Jesus, I need you to show up. Jesus, come. Jesus, come. Jesus, come. What if Jesus is saying back to us, go? What if Jesus is saying to your marriage, go back and love your, your spouse like you never have? Go and serve your kids like you never have. Go and make a difference in your school. Go and be the best employee that you can be. Go and write up that business plan. Go and get that loan. Go and start that idea. Go and start that blog. What if Jesus is telling us to take a step of faith, a step of faith, a bold, deep step of faith that he is saying to us, don't stay, but go. This man goes and he has no idea if it actually worked. Verse 51, but as he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. As he was going down, as he was on the journey between the promise and the fulfillment, as he was going down. So he asked them the hour that he began to get better. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. And the father knew that that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will live. See, the first part of that sentence, your son will live, it doesn't actually say it there, but if you go back, the first word of that little phrase was Jesus telling him to go. So think about it. The same moment where the son received his healing was the same moment that this man decided to listen to Jesus and step out of faith and go. It's the same moment. Your miracle and your motion go hand in hand. Like, 
what if your miracle is waiting for you? Like, what if, if we just stay and ask Jesus to come? Like, like this son was waiting for his dad to come home. What if your miracle has already taken place, but Jesus is waiting for you to walk towards it? What if your marriage actually can be amazing and you're saying, Jesus, I need to come, but he's saying, why don't you actually take a step? Take them on a date. Start that business. Forgive your son. Forgive them. What if Jesus is asking you to go? Go and serve your community. Go and start attending a city group. Oh, I just wish, oh, what, what if, Jesus, I wish you would show up at church. Jesus, I wish that you would just begin to show up. Man, get involved. Take a next step. Jesus is asking you to go. What if your miracle is just waiting for you to take the first step? Because this man went on the journey. He didn't know if it had happened yet. But around halfway, his servants came up to him and said, Actually, it took place the moment you took your first step. What if your miracle is waiting for you? Can we all stand up on our feet? There's this new uh, Canada Post um, advertisement and slogan saying that... Um, they deliver promises. <laughs> Yo, no one can do that but Jesus. <laughs> Nobody. When I was in high school, in grade 10, my history teacher asked me if I wanted to be a cheerleader. I was like, thank you? Um, but honestly, I, I was too insecure, honestly. Like, I was like, trying to be cool, and I said, so I said, no. Um, I'm not too insecure now. I'll be your cheerleader. Keep walking. Keep pressing on. Keep moving towards your miracle. Keep going towards what God has for you. The miracle is on its way. The breakthrough is coming. God is up to something. Would you just begin to move towards it? Everybody, can we lift up our hands? We're going to sing this song. And if this is you, you need to know that the miracle is on its way. The breakthrough is coming. Would you begin to sing? Lift up your hands. Believe that God is going to show up. And he won't stop now. Come on, let's sing. Thank you for your support. If you want to connect with us, you can find us online at thecitychurch.ca.